Welcome to the Drip Marketing Podcast. Today, we're speaking to my favorite paid ad specialist, Jeff. He helps us with some of our paid ads clients, our own. Majority of his work is actually done on our own projects, to be honest. And, and maybe Jeff can clarify because I'm not involved with the clients anymore. But he is definitely my favorite. He's, his position is very complex because he helps me more than just paid ads. But I'm going to let him introduce himself. Go ahead, Jeff. Hey, Puya. Thanks for having me today. Good to talking to you. Tell me what you do, Jeff. How did you start? Well, I started off as, well, back in probably 1998, I was an IT guy and I had a friend at the time who was also an IT guy. And he said, hey, you know that we could maybe sell Viagra and, and gambling online. And I was like, what kind of crazy witchcraft are you talking about? And so we explored it a little bit more. I ended up developing a IIS server in my basement. At the time, web hosting was really expensive. It wasn't uncommon for people to be spending a thousand bucks a month on basic web hosting. So we built our own web server and we started building pages with uh, sort of a black hat format. Black hat would be basically making pages that sort of contradict every Google sort of best practices policy. But the idea of the black hat SEO was to generate as much traffic as possible in order to generate sales for other people. So we were doing this for Viagra companies. The internet at that time was ahead of the laws so that Canadians were able to, Canadian companies were able to sell Viagra to American customers. And then there was also things we would see a lot of online gambling, either offshore or even in Canada. Then that eventually became sort of illegal or the laws changed eventually into that. And then part of that black hat process also was supplemented with things called pay-per-click. Pay-per-click probably started around 1998 with a company called goto.com. This was before AdWords or before Google. Google at that time was basically, I think their goal was to make uh, search engine appliances and they didn't really understand even the pay-per-click model, but then they saw uh, GoTo making some money. So GoTo was selling its services to, I believe it was Yahoo at the time. And so that was really sort of the real first pay-per-click search engine. And then when I think Google, once they sort of witnessed that, Google decided that they would build their, their own search engine. And then as Google became more complex and search engines became more complex, it became much more difficult to, to perform black hat SEO. And so then I went into sort of white hat SEO. And then as I was working on sort of white hat SEO and AdWords, I slowly started morphing into pay-per-click. That sort of became my specialty. I was more interested in pay-per-click than I was SEO. So I have a pretty large background in SEO, but now my main focus primarily, 80% of my work is probably pay-per-click work. Yeah, so you're what we call an OG. You started way early in the game, and that's cool. That's very cool. I don't know if it's impressive or depressing that I've been doing the same no, thing. No, no, so it's long, impressive, so. <laughs> Jeff. It's absolutely impressive. And that's why I, I love working with you. Now, Jeff, you've always helped with CRO, and mm -hmm. it's not, you don't just do paid ads. And I've worked with other paid ads specialists or experts, and they take your website and they're like, okay, I'll put up ads. So I'll do a good job, and, you know, I'll target the right demographic, keywords, and, and everything else. But there's something different about you, which you'll probably mention right now, and that's conversion rate optimization. And you looking over a website and suggesting ideas. Tell me about that. Yeah, that probably started off as an accidental thing. So, you know, you'd be working with customers and you're putting together what you think is a beautifully crafted campaign with all the right campaign settings and all the beautiful ad groups and meticulous ads, but it's just not performing. And so 
what sort of naturally happened as a defense mechanism was like, you know, customer pushing back and I'm not really impressed with this. And then, so what I started looking at is like, okay, let's sort of start look, looking at this sort of more holistically. I'm generating incredible traffic for the customer. It's really clear, clear keyword and attentions. Everything's tickety-boo. But then you go and look at where am I sending that traffic to? And then you look at the website and, you know, I don't know how many times I've seen this where like in the, the fold or the first part of the website where you don't have to scroll is, you know, the, the company or the website doesn't actually declare what they're actually promoting. It's not always clear all the time. So you'd be pushing back and go, well, you know, maybe if you actually declared on the hero shot of the image, what you're actually promoting on the page. A lot, a lot of times customers, they build a website and they sort of think once they build it, they never have to kind of come back and look at it. And a lot of times people who are building websites are great website builders, but they're not great marketers. So I think it's important that when you're spending money on AdWords, because, you know, AdWords is, is an investment and it does cost money, you want to make sure that the website you're sending that traffic to is doing the best job possible. And there's even like really simple things, you know, like we'll take like a plumbing company and they'll be like, we fix pipes. And it's like, well, that's obvious that you fix pipes. But what's maybe more important is having things like a unique selling proposition and declaring to the customer, why would they choose you? You know, is it maybe because you can have, you know, we, we promise on-time scheduling. We guarantee our work for 90 days. We have insured and, you know, maybe criminal backgrounds on all of our plumbers. All of our plumbers are uniform, drive, you know, skin trucks type of thing. And so we want to have it so that the web, when the customer lands on the web page, that they're reading the content on that page, nodding their head and going, yeah, that's a company I don't want to, uh, sorry, that's a company I do want to be working for. And so I've really found that CRO was really a necessary thing that goes with AdWords because you can drive the most qualified, beautiful traffic. But if the page is not doing its job, you're going to have a failing AdWords campaign. And I think it's really important that, you know, when I work with a customer, we sort of tell them, it's like, hey, I, I can do all these things for you, but there's a list of deficiencies that I see on your website and that stuff needs to be fixed. And this is especially true back in the day, you know, wow, back in the days before like WordPress, when it wasn't really easy to, to modify websites. Now, most people use WordPress or some kind of content management system. And it's almost unforgivable to not be coming back and looking and revamping your website. Because I guarantee everybody looking at the website, if they came back and revisited their website, I'm sure they can find things that they could improve or think like, wow, I don't know why I phrased like that. I could phrase it so much better. Maybe it's shorter, maybe it's more terse, but yeah, C CRO is definitely a necessary component of AdWords. And I think any good AdWords manager has to at least be thinking as part of that other strategy. Yeah, I include that with everything we do, and I take your suggestions very seriously. And, and you even made suggestions on our own personal websites. You know, you work with us, and you're like, hey, you know, this person's landing on this, you know, mini excavator page, but not sure you're conveying the message properly from my ads. You know, you, you're not creating that scent. When somebody clicks on that ad, you better be showing them what I spoke about in the ad, right? Oh, absolutely. And it could be something as simple, too, like... You know, you'll see this with, we'll use plumbing as an analogy because it's it's something that people can easily wrap their heads around. You'll see a one-page plumbing company and it's really difficult for a single page for, for a lot of reasons. It's difficult for it to rank uh, organically, but it's also difficult for a single page to represent a complex AdWords campaign. So a lot of plumbing companies might install heat pumps, furnaces, boilers, hot water tanks, you know, drainage and stuff like that. And so... A lot of times it's sort of another sin of websites is people make their websites not complex enough. If I'm going to be driving ads to, you know, someone's paying for, we're going to be bidding on the keyword, say boiler installations or service providers near me. I want to drive that customer to a page. And the first thing they see is 
boiler installations done right, something like that. And so that's another sort of carnal sin and even a simple component of, of CRO is it's just breaking your website up into enough logical categories. Of course, you don't want to have too many pages. It becomes sort of you know, overwhelming if you have too many, but you also want to have pages that are relating to those very distinct services. And that, that also is a really important thing as CRO. And I see too often companies trying to do, do too much with too little pages, which is a bad idea for your conversion rates, your organic search results, and your, your, your ad performance. Jeff, horror stories. Give me one big horror story. Oh yeah. Horror stories. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of guys that do marketing, you know, someone builds their uncle's website and now they're sort of an, an instant <laughs> marketer. I was working for another agency. So I, I do subcontracting for a, a lot of agencies and, you know, a lot of these agencies provide a, a stack or a layer of services. And so one of the agencies I was working with, they had a customer and that customer was not happy with the current agency. They decided to go to another agency to do their, well, actually do all of their marketing for them. And I was quite cozy with that customer, but, you know, they had to go with the whole package. And I said to the customer, you know, leave me in your AdWords account because, you know, I want to make sure as a, as a champion for you that they're doing a good job. I'm going to check in once in a while. I'm not going to touch the account, but I want to see what they're, what they're working on. And it was pretty obvious after about a month that these guys did not know what they were doing and didn't really understand the concept of, of AdWords. You know, maybe they could sort of talk the talk, but they couldn't walk the walk. And so they ended up bidding on, this was a plumbing shop at the time and not for analogy's sake, but for real. And they were bidding on keywords like repair. And I was really taken back by the keyword repair. So I put together a report for the customer. I'm like, well, you know, 10% or 20% of your ad spend is going to the keyword repair. So I sent this off to the customer. And so the customer could then go to that agency and, and ask them why they were doing it. And they came back and they said, well, we don't currently have any, any ways to measure conversions or our KPI, or we're not using conversions as an important KPI, but our current KPI is, is really impressions to the website. And so an impression is when someone sees your ad, that is considered an impression. And they were using impressions as their kind of key, key performance metric. And that is just a really, <laughs> really bizarre thing because the word repair doesn't mean anything. It's a very vague, it's a very vague phrase. Repair what? Repair a car, repair a dishwasher, repair pipes. And so I sort of expressed to the to the customer, I was like, you know, I don't I don't think that's being effectively spent. And you know, they didn't have conversion tracking at the time. And so, you know, the, the only way you can sort of sense it is to see if, if phone calls go up and down. Ironically, or not ironically, but eventually the customer sort of realized that the phone wasn't ringing and ended coming back. And so that other agency where they failed was the inability to either implement and use conversion tracking and, and even understanding a simple concept like keyword intention. And, and that example is repair. And that's to me, uh, another kind of tangential thing is people don't think, or sometimes immature account managers don't even understand keyword intentions themselves. I'll give you a really good example. would be like, if we look at the, the keyword camera, it's a pretty vague phrase. If I was bidding on the keyword camera, I probably wouldn't be willing to pay too much for that because it's a very vague phrase. You might be able to add another word onto it. Digital camera means a little bit more. We've now eliminated film cameras from that, but even digital camera doesn't mean much. There's so many types of digital cameras. So then if it's like a Canon EOS 
Rebel TI, that has a very clear keyword intention, at least looking for that type of camera. But then if someone types in buy Canon EOS TI Rebel, well, now that is very, very clear keyword intention. The clearer the keyword intention, the more expensive the keyword is going to be. The broader the keyword intention, like camera, you're probably going to want to pay less for that. But I've seen that time and time again. I do a lot of uh, auditing for accounts too. People will pay me because they want to make sure that their current provider is maybe doing a good job and I, I see that a lot and I think you know that's just having immature reps you know managing accounts and that's probably one of the most common errors that I see but yeah bidding on repairs just dumb shake my head it was horrible and it's real life stuff like, you know it's yeah. hard can't even believe it even happened actually so <laughs> oh it happens oh it happens I remember yeah, it, it happens. happening and, and you know tell me this you know one thing that happens with with the new clients or, or older clients that just come by, I noticed that getting account access is actually very difficult. And, and either that or some agencies, some paid advertising agencies give you their own bids. You know, I've, I've seen that also. I think I remember this company called Think Profits doing that, but I don't know if that's still true, if that's still happening. Is that still an issue, account access? or agencies charging their own bids? Yeah, I haven't seen that in a while, but I have ran across a lot of accounts that did do that. I think there might've been other agencies as well. So what was happening was that agency would just charge a flat rate for AdWords and then they would give you a report and that report would include, you know, for X amount of dollars, you got X amount of clicks and X amount of impressions, but they actually didn't drill down and define, you know, you paid this much for this type of keyword going back to keyword intention you know that's an important thing to see is what you're paying for each type of keyword that technically would go against google's tos so i don't know if there would be any companies that could survive doing that it certainly was a thing back in the day i haven't seen that for a few years now with that type of thing but you if you're paying for adwords you should be getting reports and you should be paying the customers should know exactly what they spent on adwords and they should know exactly what they spent on the actual management of that every customer deserves that i think that's the proper clear fair and transparent thing to do and google also wants to actually see that that's part of their like better practices you know you could actually probably lose your account if google knew that you were hiding that type of information so it's not uncommon where the agency will be like just we will we will pay for all of the ads and all of the bidding and everything and then you just get that report but that's not really how it should be the agency can pay for the ads but you as a consumer or the person purchasing it, you really at the end should know exactly how many clicks you got for one keyword A, B, and C, what you paid for each one of those, what the CTRs were for all those individual metrics, and you should know exactly how much was spent on AdWords itself versus the management fee. If they're not doing that, then they are doing you a disservice for sure. Yeah, it's been a while since I've actually looked at agencies like that. I don't know if they still exist. And, and I, yes, you're right. That was a few years ago, and I was just still wondering, that's still around. It's hard to get away with it these days, you know, things like uh, Google My Business and reviews, you know, the internet never forgets. So it's, it's, it's harder to treat people poorly, I guess, but you know, AdWords is one of those weird things. Well, marketing in general, right? It's uh, sometimes it's hard for customers to understand what is going on. Like marketing is a very intangential type of thing. You can't see all of the elements going together. It's not like when you hire somebody to build a fence, you can see each panel going up by time. But you know, for, for AdWords and marketing in general, there's a lot like take SEO, for example, all the customer knows that they rank number one, but they don't see all the work that goes behind that. And so sometimes there are a lot of nefarious people that sort of hide behind that, uh, that cloak of confusion type of thing and, and take advantage of that. But it's harder to do because of things like 
you know, Google reviews and stuff like that. And the, and again, the internet does not forget. Right. So hundred percent, hundred percent, Jeff, what did an account setup look like? Let's say seven years ago versus today. Fundamentally, there's some things that never really changed. You know, we have campaigns in say, like we're talking, looking at, we'll take Google as an example. So the, you have a Google account, which is the most, oh, I just triggered my phone. Sorry about that. The most macro setting is the account itself. And then the next layer is at the campaign setting. So campaign is where you decide where your ads are going to show at the campaign level, you set the budget and the ad schedule. So that really hasn't changed over time. And then inside each ad group would, sorry, each campaign, you would have ad groups. And so an example for ad groups be as a plumbing company as analogy, you would have one ad group for plumbing generic type of plumbing and then another ad group for boiler and then in that boiler ad group you'd be bidding on boiler keywords and you'd have boiler ads and those boiler ads would then drive them to a boiler landing page those sort of core elements haven't really changed that's the basic anatomy of of adwords but then later on google has been adding on layer and layer and layer so there's all kinds of new things that maybe didn't exist back in the day structured snippets site link extensions call extensions call outs image extensions locations extensions which are linked to your google my business account so if somebody's near your business and you're running a restaurant as an example though your google my business is linked to your adwords and then adwords then can display uh, a map and a phone call icon so that somebody can reach your business either phone call or get directions that type of thing so google's been piling piling on the the layers and in particular google's done a lot of automation and and bid strategies um, that's maybe a big thing that's changed a lot from the old days everything was just basic you set your own bid management. Now there's a lot of automated bid management, I guess, compared to the old days type of Are thing. Are you testing that? Am I testing automated bid strategies? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the, that's the holy grail. Absolutely. Yeah, I've um, noticed that with some of our accounts are doing that and client accounts. So one of the most important things in most marketing, especially in AdWords or any paid advertising campaign, is being able to to track conversions, right? So, you know, simple things we want to track. If you're a plumber again, easy concept where we get the head around is maybe having a, a clickable phone number and maybe a web form where people can fill out their name and, you know, and ask for a quote or something like that. We want to make sure that we're able to track phone calls and track those web forms and tie those conversions back to the account so that we know which campaign, which region, which keyword, which ad, which gender caused us to lead to a conversion. Now, you as an AdWords manager, you can make those decisions manually, but Google allows us to leverage things with automated bid strategies so that Google understands this is the most prime time of day. It might understand that on Tuesdays between 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock is when most people are going to be actually making their you know, plumbing phone calls or their plumbing web form submissions type of thing. And so what we want to do is allow Google to use all that machine learning and artificial intelligence to do all of that heavy lifting for us so that us as ad managers are spending more time on thinking about what kind of messaging do we want or, you know, what kind of creatives do we want to apply to the ads? And that's maybe one of the biggest things that's changed in AdWords is automated bid strategies are one of the most, one of the, one of the most important things. I think that's a real, real game changer in ad performance. Jeff, talk about conversion tracking. Is that still a challenge? Like phone calls and form submissions? Or yes and no. I mean, technically, they're not difficult issues. I guess it's sometimes it's difficult for customers to sometimes get the buy-in on that. You'll be like, you know, how long is it going to take to do that? And it's like, well, it's going to take us, you know, five hours to get all of these things set up or one particular task. And, and a customer might push back. And I think it's unforgivable to not take advantage. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about digital marketing is that in theory everything is trackable if you compare that to say like a 
you know, you go back to the glory days of running like a, a radio ads or a billboard ads, very, very difficult or a newspaper ad, very, very difficult to understand. If you're running a, a newspaper ad and a billboard ad somewhere, it's very difficult to understand which one of those was it the billboard ad or was it the newspaper ad that generated the phone calls for me? I guess for them, the only way you can get around it is to use different phone numbers, one phone number for the newspaper, one for the park bench type of thing. So yeah, I, it's, it's not difficult to set up. Sometimes customers just don't understand the value of it. But if you're going to be running AdWords and you're going to be spending a significant amount of money, get that conversion track up from the very beginning because everything that is measurable can be improved if you can observe something make a change and then see what those changes provided you can improve things but if you don't have these goals or these metrics you're really just sort of guessing what you feel is the best thing and sometimes you know you have seasonal trends that you know oh wow i did a change but that change didn't really affect things. it's the seasonal it's a seasonal trend of something like you know maybe furnaces are a big uptick but it's because it's the fall and it was cold and that's why you're seeing a big uptick it wasn't those changes that you made because you have no way to verify that or or track that kind of thing mm. jeff is uh, is remarketing still powerful uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't think it hasn't changed much. I, what I like to use remarketing for, so remarketing is basically when somebody lands on your website, you can then put them in an audience and then chase that person with an ad. So you can chase somebody for up to 540 days. How long you chase somebody with an ad is, is going to depend on the business. If you're selling, say, like something really a long funnel, that's something maybe really expensive, like selling I don't know, really expensive luxury vacations or something like that, you might want to chase somebody longer because it's going to take them a longer amount of time to make that purchase decision. Whereas for, for plumbing, one use for plumbing would be somebody lands on our website, but they didn't take action. They didn't make a phone call. People are searching on their phone. Your phone is a very crowded and competitive place. You know, they get another phone call, someone distracts them, you know, some other pop-up happens and they're off the website. So the nice thing about remarketing is we can take people that landed on our website. And a lot of times people too, when they're looking for a provider for whatever it is, they'll go to one website, check them out, don't take any action. And then they'll go look at another website. It might take them a week to make the decision. If they're going to buy a furnace or a big ticket item, it might take them a few weeks to sort of, you know, browse a few websites, see what they're feeling. They're doing that research thing. So the idea with remarketing is they've landed on our website. We can now maybe chase them for say maybe 30 days maybe for plumbing we want to chase them for 30 days depends on the topic you probably don't want to be chasing them for a year because most people don't take a year to make a plumbing decision but the idea is that we want to bring them back so sometimes things we'll do with customers will be like they land on our website we would then chase them with a, with an ad that talked about you know customer reviews see why people choose xyz plumbing and then that ad would then drive them to see a page about why people choose us and so the idea is that we can try and we know they've been on our website but they didn't take action so that remarketing ad can chase them and try and bring them back on the website and we know they've seen this before so maybe let's drive them to a why people choose us type of page and we would declare all of our awesome unique selling propositions people choose us because we have 400 google reviews we're insured we're bonded we guarantee our work that type of thing to try and bring them around and make that make that purchase decision. So yes, I think remarketing is powerful for, for getting customers who didn't take action the first time to come back and take action. It could also be used for people who abandon shopping carts and Shopify and stuff like that. But it's also really powerful for developing brand awareness. Coca-Cola runs ads. Everybody knows who Coca-Cola uh, Coca is, but Coca-Cola is still still running ads because it's powerful to reinforce that brand that brand identity. And so remarketing is a, is a very powerful thing for that, I think. Jeff, we used to work with Scenic Cruises and they're a luxury cruise line. How long mm -hmm. did you chase people around with remarketing? Do you remember? 
I think it was quite a while, actually. I don't know. I think it was probably around six months. I guess, yeah, probably around six months. I think it's a it's a big ticket item. It also depends on your budget too. So you can even see things like frequency impression. So you can see if I'm spending one dollar a month on remarketing, I'm probably my budget is so small that say you have hundreds of thousands of visitors a month and you have a tiny budget, your budget is so small that your remarketing campaign won't be able to, to reach all those people. So, and you know, something like a luxury cruise is a big ticket item. People are not just dropping uh, money on that. That's not something that an immediate purchase that they make. So I think it would be appropriate to run, you know, minimum 30 days because people probably take at least 30 days to plan that stuff out. They look at all different kinds of cruise lines. They're doing research, that type of thing. So I think something like six months is is appropriate and you can also break it into different audiences you could test a a 30-day audience a 30 to 60-day audience a 90 to 180-day audience and then and that's again the beautiful thing about internet marketing is pretty much everything is trackable so if you see customers falling off your click-through rate starts to decay over time then you can sort of find that sweet spot but i think it's been a while since we worked with them but yeah probably you know three to six months was was appropriate for them because that was a rather long purchase funnel item i guess Jeff, what do you think about chasing people who have already converted? I mean, I could make a perfect example, maybe facial cream. Your facial cream container will eventually finish. Yep. Have you worked with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. That's another way to think about it. You know somebody who has purchased from you. You have a different relationship then with them than somebody who has never purchased from you. And so quite often, you know, you might want to do things. You might want to promote your customer customer loyalty program, right? And be like, you know, customers who purchase more than $200 this month get an extra set of bonus points or an additional freebie or something like that. And then your remarketing message can be different to them. You know they have had enough faith in you to actually you know, pull out that credit card and purchase something from you. So yes, absolutely. It's a great way to bring, bring people back. Quite often people forget about things. I guess it depends on the item, something like face cream, you know, I don't know how long a, a container of that lasts, but sometimes people, they might even forget where they bought it, or maybe that's a commodity they can buy at other places. So absolutely. I think that that's a very powerful tool for, for new customers and past customers for sure. Tell me this, how long do you usually spend on a medium sized project from scratch or, or a large size client? Like what happens from the beginning? Let's say somebody is going to spend $50,000 a month in paid advertising for, you know, the province of Ontario. Where do you start? How do you determine how long you're going to spend starting on that project and maintaining that project? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a complex question. So to the first point, medium-sized project, that means a lot of things to a lot of people. Now, you could be a very large company, but only offer one service, say something like pressure washing. So if you have a single service like that, and it's only pressure washing, you know, I suppose in theory, you could break that project into people say pressure washing versus steam washing versus maybe different ways that people say that, but even still, that's not a very complex thing. So that will depend, but they might be a very large pressure washing company that spends a lot of money. Now, if you're spending $50,000 a month, as an example, and you are a pressure washing company, you might want to have a campaign, say, in every major city. You have a campaign for Vancouver. The reason that we would have a campaign in Vancouver would be like pressure washing in Vancouver. So people are typing in. We know they're in Vancouver. They typed in pressure washing. They see an ad that declares we do pressure washing in Vancouver. And then maybe we drive them to a page that's about Vancouver or just pressure washing across Canada. And then we would maybe build out that campaign for every single city that was worthwhile building. Obviously, we wouldn't build campaigns for cities that were so small that didn't you know, justify spending the time building it type of thing. But then it's also going to depend too, you get into really complex plumbing websites. 
So for example, you might have a, a plumbing provider that say works across BC or many cities in BC. And so they might offer 20 different services, boilers, heat pumps, hot water tanks, camera inspection, drainage repair. They might have 20 or 30 services. And then each one of those services might actually be tied to a city. So if you've got 50 cities and 50 services, you would combine that, that's you know, 250 uh, 2,500 ad groups you would have to create across to, to, to mesh all of that. So it really depends on the number of offerings and the number of regions that you're offering. So medium is, a, mm. is an ambiguous term because it can mean a lot of things. If, does that make sense? It does. It does. The example you just gave, you know, let's say you're targeting the province of BC, right? And they're going after 10 cities and they've got 20 services and all 20 services are very important to them. Mm -hmm. How long would it take to start this? Let's say they already have a you know, campaign up, but you're taking over. How long does it take for you to audit that campaign? One and two, set up something better. And three, maintain. I know it's a tough question because you, you don't have access to the account in front of you right now. Yeah. But what do you think? It, it, I, yeah, I guess it depends. I mean. If they've done it right and you know you have 20 services across 20 cities that's you know 20 services 10 cities you each city would be broken into its own individual campaign every campaign has its own set of settings you would then look inside of that to see all of the ad groups inside each ad group is all of the ads all of the keywords oh my goodness you work in plumbing right now to tell me you don't have to say the client but you can tell me how long it took for you to go over the account fix it up when you started yeah, I, I, I guess. I mean, quite often, too, you can sort of, without going through the entire account, all you got to do is maybe take a sample of it, you know, so within a couple of hours, you could pretty quickly see, take a couple random samples within the account and go, okay, this campaign looks super good. But if you immediately find a bunch of campaigns that aren't set up properly, then you can sort of assume that all the campaigns aren't set up properly. And then if that's the case, then quite often what I would say to customers is, you know, maybe we would pause all of those old existing campaigns and recreate them. There's things you can do with various tools where you could clone these old campaigns, start new campaigns, leave that old data there so that you can have a quick comparison. I think that's a very valuable thing to do. So then you can say, hey, here's what your data used to look like. Here's what it looks like now. But getting into the time of that, you know, in the beginning when you take over account, that is the most amount of labor because, and it also depends too on, how much money the customer can afford to spend monthly. So maybe, you know, if a customer says, well, I can only afford 10 hours a month. Well, I might just spend 10 hours a month for the six, first six months cleaning all that and making a really good, proper structure. So uh, I, I guess it, it really, it depends. It's, it's a tough question because it's every account is so, is so different. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like a politician, like I'm not really answering that problem. No, that's okay. It's just like search engine optimization and they tell you, hey, I need to rank for roses. Yeah, how long is it going to take me to rank number one? It's like, yeah, it's uh, like, if, if I could answer that, trust me, I wouldn't be working with you. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. I could absolutely answer that with a hundred percent certainty, we wouldn't be working together. <laughs> I'd be doing. Yeah, things. yeah, exactly. You almost got to kind of bite off chunks of it. It's like, you know, hey, let's try do one keyword. Well, it took us this amount of time for this level of competitiveness. Now we'll work on the next one. Now you can sort of set up some expectations or with the client, you know, hey, you know, you had 
I managed to fix up 10% of your account in 20 hours, right? So then you can kind of make an estimate and then and move forward with that based on what you were able to do to do in the past type of thing. But it's it's just so complex. Every business is so different. Every every business is a special snowflake, so to speak, right? You know, different needs, different. Yeah, they're all so different. So sorry, I wish I could give you a bit more of a ballpark okay. answer there. That's okay. but I guess uh, I'd have to wait. Well, I know I know some of the clients and projects you work on now, but I'd have to wait for a new client or a new project for you to tell me, look, I spent this many. Actually, I can on teamwork. I can check it out now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. It depends on the retainer too, right? You know, I mean, if a customer has deep pockets and, and you know, time is more important than money, then, you know, you can try and really rip through a lot of that stuff. Some customers are a bit more cash sensitive, you know, or they don't have that cash flow. So like, okay. And also too, it's trust issues sometimes. Like, you know, in the beginning, hey, let's just do this for you. I'm going to work 10 hours a month. And then the customer starts seeing those results. You start building up the trust. The customer sees, oh, I put, you know, X amount of dollars in and I can see all these things that are on the other end. I can see the phone starting to rank 10% more, you know, customers stay on the website longer, blah, 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 blah. And then eventually you start ramping things up. Right. So there's a lot of, a lot of it depends on the customer too. Like, like I say, you know, it's the condition of their website. And again, that ties into CRO. And so that might even tie up my job. You know, if I'm waiting for their developer to fix up all those pages, I might even say to a customer, you know, it goes against my best interest, but it's like, Hey, you know what? I think you're in a very competitive market. I don't think it's prudent for you to be running ads right now until you get these pages set up. You can run ads if you want. I'll, I'll give the customer the option. Some customers are like, nope, I want to go and run it anyways. But, you know, I've been in cases where I sort of told the customer, I don't think you should be running ads because you're in a really competitive market. And I think you're going to be pouring money into something that is not profitable. I mean, ideally, you want to put a dollar in and get a dollar 10 or a dollar 20 or 50 back type of thing. Right. And so if you feel like, you know, I feel I accountable to the customer, I treat their money like my money and, uh, you know, present the options to them and customers will appreciate it. Even if it sort of hurts me in the beginning, customers remember that kind of stuff. It's like when you go to a mechanic and you say, Oh, my car makes this horrible noise. I think I might need a new engine. And then comes back and he goes, Oh no, something just wasn't tightened up. You know, you remember that. And then you, you probably won't be changing providers after that. Once, once someone treats you right a couple of times, right? 100%. Jeff. Always, always a pleasure speaking with you. I always learn something new. And even though you're older, you're, you speak <laughs> a million miles a minute and yes. very, very knowledgeable. And it's a venti coffee and talking there. Yeah. <laughs> and you sound like a 22 year old. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. I know. I, I'm going to put up a picture on, on our podcast and you're, you're going to look stunning. But I, I'd like to have a picture of you with the beard, not without the beard. Because we're going to put your picture and my picture on the podcast photo, right, on YouTube? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to go over? Did I miss anything? So I think uh, one of the new things coming out is Google's uh, Performance Max. For a long time, Google has sort of, I think, had this vision of a fully automated campaign. And I think Performance Max is the closest thing that we've ever come to that. Performance Max basically is where... You create a campaign and then Google almost manages all of it. You don't pick keywords. So what you would take is you would supply Google up to 15 images of your business, five videos, five 30 character headlines, uh, five 60 character descriptions. Google will then will take all of those ad assets, combine them and then display those ads on search, Gmail, YouTube, and the display networks. And then as, as data comes in and as people click on things, Google starts to understand all of the various combinations on all of the various different networks. And so this is the closest thing that Google has to a fully automated thing. Other than me supplying the images, the videos, the headlines, I can't even really maintain anything. So with this campaign, basically, there's nothing you can really maintain other than you can supply it the assets. There's some stuff you can break down in the campaign, but really it, it takes away a lot of the heavy lifting. 
and Google does all that heavy lifting with all its machine learning, understanding genders, devices, and stuff like that. I, I think Performance Max is going to be one of the, the most important campaign types coming up in the future. I don't see everybody rolling it out yet. Not all, well, I'm not even sure all accounts even qualify for it. It's been kind of new. It was in beta in the fall, but I imagine that's going to be getting rolled out to everybody if it's not already rolled out to everybody. It also ties into local search too, where people has the ability to drive people to your storefront type of thing. So that that's also going to combine in there with your Google My Business profile listing. So if you're a service provider, say for clothes, or if you sell clothing and stuff like that, that performance max will even tie into your Google My Business location. But yeah, Performance Max, I believe, is the holy grail that Google has been chasing for probably five to 10 years. They've been talking about this, but they've never been able to pull it off. I think really what they'd like to sort of see is, you know, small businesses being able to eliminate people like me and supply their own assets, throw it in there. And Google's machine learning is just so darn good that it does all of it magically. It hasn't quite gotten there, but I think that's where they're trying to get to. I don't know if that's scary or if that's good. It'll change it, right? I think it's it's okay. They're still going to need things like you know CRO and stuff like that, and understanding landing pages, and and even creating good you know good marketing, right? You know, with good messaging, good unique selling propositions, that kind of stuff, right? So I think it'll just it'll change stuff. It's just like all, you know, they talked about automation or computers killing jobs, but it always creates new jobs down the road, type of thing. So while we, you know, technology eliminates jobs technology also creates new jobs and and changes jobs so you know it might be painful in the short term but i think it'll be bountiful in the long term there'll always be things for good marketers to do fantastic anything else jeff no i think i think we've covered it all there i mean yeah of course I could go on for days if i wanted to but uh, <laughs> you can i know you can all right <laughs> if we everybody. get good feedback maybe we could do another one well yeah absolutely absolutely all right beautiful thank you jeff thank you very much for yeah, meeting me and talking to me and I will catch everybody on the next podcast. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye.